0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to License to Talk Insurance, a podcast for independent insurance agents. I am one of your hosts, Amanda Yanis, Marketing Director at Chicagoland SIA.
1: I'm Kelsey Conklin-Ramsey, Director of Digital Strategy, and very excited to be back after my maternity leave. Amanda, I missed you.
0: I missed you, too. It's so great to have you back. I'm so happy you were able to find some time to join us today.
1: Absolutely. wouldn't have missed it.
0: So today we've got a topic that's particularly relevant for all independent insurance agents out there, insurance marketing on a budget. So if you're looking for practical and cost-effective ways to get the word out about your agency without burning a hole in your pocket, you've come to the right place. Before we dive into the nitty-gritty of budget-friendly marketing, let's acknowledge the challenges many independent insurance agents face limited resources, often making it challenging to compete with larger agencies in terms of marketing spending. So
1: Amanda, how can independent insurance agents use their limited time and budget effectively to effectively market themselves?
0: So the number one way I would say would be online marketing. When people hear online marketing, they often think of like Google ads or pay-per-click advertising that's executed through a various of channels, like Google, Facebook, other social media, other paid advertising. However, that's just a small piece of online marketing. For instance, your website should be your number one focus when it comes to online marketing. You should be adding content consistently. If you could find the time to write a blog, that would be great. You get rewarded by online search engines such as Google when you add or update content on your website, keeping it fresh, keeping it relevant. Uh, And when I say adding content, that could be product pages, talking about the different insurances that you sell. It could be safety talks. It could be risk management strategies. There's a whole bunch of things that you can be putting on your website. And honestly, once you have your website, adding more pages to it isn't that expensive, especially if you have a website with unlimited landing pages. You're not paying anything additional to do this.
1: When I'm talking to members, I try to remind them that their website is their digital representative. When you're not able to you know, be by the phone or be fully present, it's a weekend, it's 1130 at night you're obviously not going to be always available so when someone's looking to find out more information about you and your business they're most likely going to go to your website so think of it as your digital representative and how do you want to market yourself when you're not there to advocate for yourself over the phone in person etc so a, an agent's website is so important when it comes to online marketing and as amanda said adding different sections on your website so that folks can go in and educate themselves as to what type of services you offer that will even if they do still want to obviously talk to you after they've found you on online or t- taking a look at your website at least have some basic understanding as to what types of services that you offer how you can help them and if you're missing specific sections on your website, that's actually going to hurt you because someone, a potential client might think that you might not be able to help them with their specific insurance needs. So adding all of these specific pages and including all of this content will only help you in the long run.
0: Another thing to consider is when you are talking to somebody in person, let's say you just met them, you do your sales appeal and you know they're like, okay, uh, let me think about this or let me look into this and I'll get back to you. Guess where they're going? They're going to your website and they're going to be looking at your website to decide if what you said was how they understood it. So if you're saying you can do all these things, but there's no evidence of that on your website, they might think that either they misunderstood what you were saying or maybe you're overselling yourself. So having your website have all of this updated content, also supports your sales strategy.
1: Definitely, Amanda. So I think that brings us to the next piece of this. I know earlier you mentioned the different search engines. So I think we can talk a little bit about Google, just knowing that Google probably dominates that space. So I think a Google business profile is another good topic for us to dive into, knowing that it's free and it's a great way for, it's typically it's your search engine storefront is what I like to call it.
0: Yes, it is definitely key for anybody that is using Google. Let's say they remember the name of your business, but maybe they don't remember your website or they're searching for insurance agents in your area. Uh, Having a complete and accurate Google business profile is free. And you can put so much information in there that people will feel more comfortable going to you. Google will recommend you more often in these search phrases. Uh, so going in and adding things like how, what products, again, you sell. Uh, again, that's just repeated from your website. It doesn't need to be reinventing the wheel. Uh, adding updates. I like to add any blog posts that I write as updates to my Google business profile. And then, of course, adding photos. Google loves it when people add photos to their profile. So if you're having an event in your office, you can share that. Uh, one thing I saw that was really cute is one company has a cat that lives in their office. I don't know if they have it because they had a rodent problem or if they just really like this cat, uh, but they put up daily photos of their cat and Google eats it up. People love it.
1: That's adorable. That's really adorable.
0: Speaking of adding photos such as your friendly office cat... Social media channels are also a great free way to boost your online marketing. You don't have to dive right into pay-per-click ads. You can build up your social media channels through joining groups uh, such as if there's an industry-specific target you're going for, finding those industry-specific groups and joining them. Uh, if you're doing personal lines, I think we've talked about this before with the mom groups or the parent groups or the even the school groups. There's lots of groups in these different uh, social media spaces that you can be joining and sharing content. And it doesn't always have to be like serious insurance business. You can, again, share things like, photos your office cat but again you should be sharing you know your products and your blogs and things like that on social media as well and that's really going to help people connect with your brand they're going to see you uh, as an individual as somebody that they feel comfortable with
1: i think where
0: a lot of
1: independent insurance agents get caught up is that they have to create all of this unique professional Content all the time for their social media channels, whereas that's not necessarily the case. Yes, that type of content is extremely important. A lot of that content can be reused across multiple different channels. So, your website, your social media, and your email marketing, which I know we're going to touch on here soon. But I I think social media is such a unique place for insurance agents to be. To be spending their time just because that's a great way for them to really showcase who they are, who their brand is, what's important to them, what their core values are without stating them. So if you're volunteering or having some type of, you know, toy drive or something like that, it's a great place to post on your social media channels and share what it is that you're doing. So I would recommend not overthinking it on social media, share the picture of the office cat or your morning coffee and saying, hey, at my desk this morning, free for any calls from, you know, nine to 1230. If you need anything, things like that can just go on the fly on your social media channels. It makes you seem so much more relatable, too.
0: And you don't always have to be posting content to be active on social media. You can be liking and commenting and sharing other people's content. And that's just a great way to like build up your audience and connect with people and be a part of this online community.
1: Definitely. So I know I, I briefly just mentioned email marketing. Amanda, I know this is so much of what you do over at Conklin in Chicagoland. So what are some tips that you have for email marketing?
0: Well, first, email marketing, there is some regulations that you should be aware of. If you're not familiar with the can spam laws, you definitely should check those out because you don't want to be getting into any kind of trouble. But email marketing is still highly effective, despite all of the challenges that it faces with privacy laws. The biggest challenge is coming up with your list of recipients. Uh, I do not recommend buying a list. That's the last thing I think anyone should do uh, for email marketing as that it's going to take you into some dangerous territory with blacklisting and spam reports. But if you're interacting with your clients and people that you've connected with as prospects and you're like, hey, you know, I have this newsletter. I'd like to sign you up for it. They say yes. Great. You send them out your newsletter and your newsletter could have office update they can have risk mitigation techniques safety techniques uh, in- industry updates you can really educate your clients using a newsletter and an educated client is a better client also you can take your clients and kind of segment them so if you have clients that are you know running a business and you can segment them and say okay i have all these clients they're all business owners And this section of them do not have an EPLI policy. All right. So you can email them saying, hey, you know, you've been with us for a while. Notice that you don't have an EPLI policy. Uh, I'd really recommend that you get one. Here are the benefits of that. So you can sort of take your client list, segment it out, and send them targeted emails that educate them on policies they may not have.
1: That is such an, especially in today's market, remarketing and using email marketing, in order to do that will save a ton of time. The last thing that I wanted us to touch on in the online marketing topic, Amanda, are online reviews and testimonials. So I know that you are responsible for this across both Chicagoland and Conklin as well. Amanda has wears a lot of hats, you guys. So she's a, she's a great resource. But what do you recommend in terms of receiving these reviews? What type of channels do you recommend they should focus on when it comes to receiving reviews? And then what about requesting them? I know this is a very awkward topic because a lot of people don't like saying, Hey, would you mind leaving me a review? But what, what works?
0: Yeah. A lot of people get a little finicky when it comes to requesting clients to leave reviews and to leave testimonials, but these are really important things for you to have because they are social proof. People love social proof when they're considering who they're gonna work with, what products they're gonna buy, what services they're gonna use. Because when they see that somebody else has had a positive experience, they feel like they're gonna have a positive experience. So getting those reviews, getting those testimonials is really important, especially for smaller agencies. There are a number of different ways to request these. The best way is obviously you're working with somebody, something comes up, you're able to help them, they're happy with the experience, and you say, hey, you know, I'm so glad this worked out for you. By the way, would you mind leaving me a review or writing a testimonial about this experience? And hopefully they do. Another way, which is effective, but it's a little tricky, <laughs> uh, I say it's tricky because you don't want all of your reviews happening on one day, right? If you come in, uh, for instance, on Google, and you're looking at somebody and all of the reviews happened exactly one month ago, it's a little suspect. People are like, well, they pay for these reviews. What are they? And their social proof gets a little bit of a taint to it. But it does work. And what you do is you send out an email to your client list saying, hey, you're know, you either new with us or you've renewed with us within the past month. Would you mind sharing your experience of how this has gone for you? And what I do in that email is I have two options. I have a thumbs up for a positive experience and a thumbs down for if they're having a negative experience. I do this because we don't want people that have a negative experience going and leaving us reviews. They're not gonna be good reviews. So what happens in that email is if they click the thumbs up, it takes them to our Google review page where they can write their positive experience, uh, leave us a nice review. And if they've had a bad experience and they click the thumbs down, it's going to take them to a client survey where they can vent about their experience. We get some feedback. We can address their concerns, hopefully change their opinion of us. And I find this works really, really well for getting those reviews. And then also in that email, you can ask for a testimonial. So you don't have to do it to each client. You can do it in these segmented email lists. That's
1: definitely a safe way to ensure, A, that you're getting the proper feedback that you're requesting, and then also that the best Google reviews and the best reviews are being showcased. All right, Amanda, so knowing that not every independent agent is going to be super tech savvy or really has the desire to market themselves heavily online. I know I've worked with a few members who just aren't super comfortable with it and everyone has to do what's within their comfort zone. So we totally understand that. So for someone who falls into that category or for someone who wants to do it all right, so wants to heavily market themselves online, but then wants to explore other avenues, what other aspects of marketing can agents tap into?
0: I definitely get that, you know, feeling especially for small business owners. If you're online, it feels like it's too broad, you know, you really want to dig down into your community and market to your neighbors. And in-person marketing or traditional marketing techniques really hit that home. So, I definitely think that local independent insurance agents should be doing some traditional marketing as well. Great opportunities for this are any community events. So if you have a historic downtown, for instance, that hosts a variety of events, getting involved in that so that you can become part of the community. People see you, people are engaged with you. Also volunteering or joining local boards is another way to get into your community. One thing that I really would like to see more people doing, though, is collaborating with other local businesses or local professionals and co-hosting events. Imagine this, your local coffee shop hosts an event where you're there to answer anybody's questions about insurance. So people come in, they buy a coffee, so the coffee shop gets benefit. They ask you questions about insurance, you're answering them, you're showing off your expertise and your knowledge, and you're being your authentic self, and people are relating to you. That's just going to be beneficial for you. It's beneficial to the coffee shop. So doing those sort of co-collaborating events, I think, would be really beneficial to people, and they really shouldn't cost you any money because, as I said, you're bringing in clients to the coffee shop. So many local businesses, you can come to some kind of like agreement where if they sell so much that you don't have to pay any additional fees for being there. Also help finding other professionals in your area like um, mortgage servicing professionals or wealth management professionals and seeing if they host any events for their clients and volunteering your time to educate their clients on the topic of insurance. So if you can find this collaborative group within your community, I think that is a great avenue for low cost or sometimes even maybe a free way of meeting people and educating them and having them understand your services and your agency a little better.
1: Definitely. And there's so much to say for that collaboration piece Amanda I think it's so important that as independent insurance agents there's so much knowledge there that needs to be that needs to be shared and so much education for clients or potential clients just because what what we're selling is not you can't hold it right sure you have your insurance policy but there's so much trust involved there that it's it's so important That your clients and obviously potential clients know that you are really that trusted advisor that will advocate for them and by having a lot of these collaborations that's a great way for folks to start to understand who you are that you're trustworthy and that you're a part of the local community because so many folks want that they want that neighborhood insurance agent that's going to Push for them, that's going to advocate for them. And so that's a great way to show that and not tell it, if that makes sense.
0: It does. I totally get what you're saying there. The last thing that I want to talk about is conventions. Now, conventions I think are wonderful. We get a lot of leads at Conklin through the conventions that we attend, but conventions, sponsoring them or getting a booth or a table that does cost money. And maybe that's a little bit outside of your budget, or maybe you want to get a little bit more bang for your buck when you're doing these conventions. And a great way to do that is to offer to do a free educational seminar during the convention. So some conventions, they will be like, well, you have to pay for that. But a lot of these smaller or newer conventions they get a little bit desperate for speakers. So if you can just go out there and offer to do it, the worst they'll say is no, you have to pay for that. The best that they can say is yes, please come talk at our convention. And now you're in a room with a captive audience, educating them about your services, about insurance, about whatever it is that you're there to talk about. And yes, you're not doing a commercial for your agency. Nobody wants to be forced to sit through that but you are setting yourself up, again, as an expert in this field and somebody that they can come to with their questions. And that's just gonna lead to the building of relationships and that could lead to sales. Finding these conventions and getting in on the ground floor often means that you'll be able to do it again in future years. And people are always like, well, where do I even find out about conventions or events that are looking for speakers? And there's a few ways. You can go to your local chamber of commerce. You can go if there's a place that hosts events near you. Going on their website, they often have calendars which show all the different events that are upcoming, which have links then to the event organizers. So there's a few ways to find conventions. Uh, Going on Eventbrite and looking at local things that are being sold or advertised on Eventbrite or other event services. So i definitely check those out, see if there's anything local to you. see if there's anything in your niche, and just reach out.
1: Now that we've discussed some of the marketing opportunities, let's talk a little bit more about time and time management. Amanda, what are some tips you have for success in terms of time management when it comes to marketing? I get a lot of questions from independent agents about approaching marketing, given that they have such limited time. So how do you recommend that they should manage their time when it comes to marketing their businesses and themselves, really?
0: Time is a really interesting thing because we do have all the same amount of time in a day. There's 24 hours in a day. But when you're a small business owner, that can often feel like it's not nearly enough. And when you're focusing on on sales and maybe remarketing or servicing accounts, it definitely doesn't feel like there's any time for doing anything extra. So, if you want to get into doing marketing, you really need to be honest with yourself and what kind of time you're willing to dedicate to this. And when I say what kind of time, I mean the frequency and the length of time that you're willing to put in. So, frequency could be are you willing to do this daily? Are you willing to do this monthly? You know, what are you looking at doing? And for length of time, you know, can you spend 15 minutes doing it? Can you spend two hours doing it? And you really need to find that balance of if you can do it frequently, then you can do 15 minutes. But if you can only do it once a month, you're probably going to need to do a two-hour chunk. Saying that, there are different marketing strategies that fit into different time allocations. So, for instance, your website. You can be updating content, which is a very powerful strategy, posting blogs, social media updates, doing videos. All of this does take time, and it's really worth it because you're building trust and credibility. And you can fit this into your schedule in small spurts. If you're writing, like if you're doing a weekly blog and you write 200 words a day, that is more than enough. A blog should only be about 300 to 400 words. So if you're able to pump out 200 words a day, then you can go through and you can edit that and you're going to get some really good content. And it really doesn't take that long to write 200 words. That's only half a page in a Word document. The same can be said for social media, engaging with your audience, posting content, uh, leaving comments, likes, shares, participating in discussions. This is going to help build your presence. It's going to help build your community around your brand. And again, if you're able to do this every day, you can spend as little as 15 minutes going on your social channels, fitting it in between other tasks. And you can use tools like Buffer or Hootsuite to schedule posts in advance. So it's little bits of time, but it's going to be more often. If you're not somebody that feels like you can spend time every day or every week doing something, you may want to look at more offline marketing, such as attending events, volunteering. These are things that you're going to schedule out probably a month, maybe two months ahead of time, but it's going to be you're going to be at these events for an hour, two hours, however long the event is, and you need to be willing to stick to that schedule because it's going to happen on a certain date, at a certain time, in a certain place, and you need to be there so again being honest with yourself if you're somebody that can take these huge chunks of time and commit yourself to them that's going to be more effective for you
1: i think amanda when when you said be honest with yourself i think that's so huge because if you're trying to fit yourself into a routine that doesn't feel natural to you it's not it's not going to happen it might you know it might happen for a week but it's not it's not going to be consistent so Being honest and open with yourself about what is realistic is so important. And if you're the type of person who likes to have their 30 minutes when they get in the office, like check email, have your coffee, maybe schedule an additional like 15 minutes on top of that. And that can be your social media check in for that day. Right. Or blocking off that two hours once a month on your calendar just so you have that time set aside. And. Amanda has a great content calendar that she actually just shared with me that schedules out every single piece of content that she's doing pretty much for the whole year. So that might seem very daunting to a lot of folks, but for others, it actually might be a really great way to hold yourself accountable. And maybe you don't schedule it out for an entire year. Maybe it's once it's every month or every two months, maybe every quarter that you have things like that scheduled out, so it helps you stay on on track and on task, I think it would be very beneficial. So if you're really struggling with coming up with a routine or a rhythm, but really would like to be more consistent with your marketing, feel free to reach out to either Amanda or I, because we can help at least provide recommendations as to what we think could work for you. Obviously, Every person's going to be different. Every person is going to have their own routine and rhythm that works for them. So we can definitely help in, in some aspects of that. But I, I really think that it's important for independent agents or producers to at least have some type of consistency when it comes to marketing yourselves and your businesses.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, consistency in your marketing is essential. You can't just start doing something and then never do it again. This goes for online marketing as well as traditional marketing. If you are going to be active on social media, you need to be active on social media basically forever. Like You can take little breaks and go on vacations. I'm not saying you can't. But you can't be like, well, I'm gonna do it this month and then, oh, six months have gone by and I'm gonna do it again and why isn't this working? Well, it's not working because you're not actually doing it. You need to be on there engaging at least weekly. Uh, Same with the in-person stuff. If you're volunteering for an organization and you show up once, that's not volunteering. That's just doing one event and you're not gonna get the same payoff. I mean, yeah, you might've met people that first time that you showed up for your volunteer gig, but showing up and volunteering every month is gonna be a lot more effective than doing it once here or once there. Because when you become a regular, people really start to engage with you. They start to recognize you. And I mean, conventions, they might only happen once a year. So that's a little bit different, but you should try to be in more than one convention. Uh, If you're going to dedicate yourself to becoming an industry expert and keynote speaker for events, the more you can show that you've done it, the more likely people are going to want you to do it for them. Absolutely.
1: Well, Amanda, thank you for sharing your marketing expertise. I know you are. I've said this in previous podcasts, but you're a wealth of knowledge. So I appreciate you taking the time. And I know our members will find this extremely valuable as well. But is there anything else that you want to leave us with before we sign
0: off? I guess just remember this isn't going to be an immediate payoff. I mean, it could be if you're very lucky. You might get some leads day one. But marketing is a long game. It's building that relationship. It's building that brand, that voice, that personality, And it takes time and you need to be patient with the process. So if you're looking for an immediate payoff, you need to change your attitude to be quite frank and just keep at it. It will eventually do something. Kelsey, it was so nice having you back. I definitely missed you. Mike and Jenny were great. I loved having them on the show, but I feel like you and I, we really think when we do these yeah, I appreciate you so much, and you yeah, know, good luck with the the little one. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. I'm very happy to be
1: back and you know, emerging back into the real world. For those who don't know, I'm I'm back from maternity leave. Obviously, I'm I'm doing this podcast and I'm working through my my Mount Everest of emails of email inboxes. So if there's anything that you need feel free to shoot me an email give me a call and we'll get back into it thanks everyone